and loving who you hate. And we're going to dig into Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 43 through 48. Um, but first, I got a question for you. Um, does God love his enemies? Does God truly love his enemies? Does he love the people who slander his name? Does he love the people who blaspheme his name? Does he love the people who don't truly know Christ? You see, in our world, there is so much hate, right? And you, and you see hate everywhere. You turn on the TV and you see hate. You see shootings, right? You see um, newscasters uh, bickering back and forth about who's right and who's wrong. Or you turn on social media. I say you turn on social media. That shows you. I'm young, but I'm really not that young. I'm, yeah. Um, you, you get on social media and uh, you just see people bickering back and forth about just different stuff. And there's so much hate and nobody wants to love and everybody just wants to hate. Have you seen it? I've seen it. And you're probably thinking, man, I've heard a thousand messages on this passage. I've heard a thousand messages on love and on grace and on forgiveness. And it's like, well, well why do we keep on teaching and preaching about, about love and about grace and about forgiveness? Um, I think it's because we, we, we haven't quite got it yet. Um, and you may think, well, I love everyone. And I'd, and I'd ask, do you? do you? Do you really? I mean, when you go to Subway and the person across the counter and you say, hey, I don't want any mayonnaise on my sandwich. And they put three pounds of mayonnaise on your sandwich. Has that happened to anybody before? What, what thoughts are you thinking about? Yeah. Are they good thoughts? What about the person who has completely opposite views than you? What if they're, what if they're pro-choice and you're pro-life? What, what thoughts are you thinking about them? Are they, are they good thoughts? Are they loving thoughts? Are they hateful thoughts? And you may have heard a thousand messages about loving your enemies, but tonight you're going to hear a thousand and one. So that's what we're going to dig into uh, this evening. And so uh, I'm going to... Uh, read Matthew five forty three through thirty or through forty eight and we're going to talk about three reasons why we as followers of Christ need to love our enemies, but more importantly, we're going to talk about how we can do it on a practical level. So let's go ahead and read together. Verse forty three says oh it's quite on the screen there. It's all right. Um it says you have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, and that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Keep in mind, this is Jesus talking to his disciples and the people that he's teaching. And he says, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anybody else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Let's pray. 
And then we're going to dig into the passage. Father, we, uh, we struggle. We struggle with loving uh, people who are different than us. We struggle with loving people who sometimes are the same as us. Um, and we just need you. We need more of you in our, in our life. And we, we need your wisdom. We need your goodness. Um, and God, me, even reflecting um, as I prepared for this message, realizing um, how much of a better job I need to do of this, of, of loving people who are my enemies, who are different than me. So, uh, Holy Spirit, we just invite you. Um, we ask that you would uh, just reveal yourself through this passage. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, so jumping into uh, the first point. Uh, love your enemies because God loves his. Love your enemies because God loves his. So here in verse 43, I'm going to go ahead and, and read it off again. Um, it says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So we're going to go through this uh, verse by verse here. And uh, if you notice, um, Jesus is clearing the air of some gossip uh, and some false teaching um, that's been going around. Uh, notice he says in verse 43, you have heard the law that says. You see, Jesus isn't correcting the Old Testament, but, but he's correcting how the culture and how the people have misinterpreted the Old Testament. You see, God's hatred for evil was a central theme for the Old Testament. And consequently, those who were evil were understood to be God's enemies. And it was natural to hate them. But God never commanded people to hate his enemies. Okay, so if God hates evil, but he doesn't hate his enemies, how does he show it? How does he show it? Well, obviously... He shows it through sending his son, Jesus, down to die for us, right? That's the number one thing that we think of. But how else does he show it? How many of you guys have heard of uh, the term common grace? Couple, couple people. Um, it's, it's, uh, theologians um, have this term. It's called common grace, and it's seen throughout the entire New Testament. And if you want some extra verses on that, I can give them to you uh, after the service. Um, but let me just read off what common grace is. It's the favor that God gives to all people and not just to believers. It is not saving grace, but it's an abundance of grace that is meant to lead unbelievers into repentance. And right here in verse 45, it's kind of hard to see it on the screen right here, um, but he says, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So why could this be a big deal? For having the sun rise on the good and the evil and the rain on the just and the unjust. Well, back then, agriculture uh, was, a, was a really big deal. They didn't have... Uh, you know, Chipotle that you could stop by, or Panera Bread that just opened up in Salina. Um, but 
they had to get their crops. And, and it was a big deal because if they didn't have the sun rising, then, then how are they going to get any crops? If they didn't have rain coming down on the crops, then they probably weren't going to have a very good harvest. And so this was a big deal. And this was an abundance of grace that God was giving to, to not just the good, but also the people who did not know him. So here, Jesus appeals to God's common grace as an encouragement to his disciples that they too should show love and pray blessings over their enemies. And if we, and if we are truly sons and daughters of Christ, then we have to do the same thing. And, and some of you may have some people in mind that you think, well, I... I, I really don't want them to be blessed. I, I, would, I would really not like to see them prosper or see uh, uh, God's blessings rain down on him. And it's difficult, right? I'm not saying it's easy, but I am saying that we are supposed to love our enemies because God loves his. Uh, recently, I had an encounter with uh, who I would call a, a frenemy. Has anybody, does anybody know what a frenemy is? It's like sometimes they're your friend, sometimes they're your enemy. Let me show you who my frenemy is. Uh, this is my frenemy, not, she's my wife, she's always my friend, okay? This is my, this is my frenemy. That's, uh, that's Bo Coke, okay? That's a, that's a, it's a dog we just rescued about two and a half weeks ago. Um, he's pretty cute, huh? He's a, he's a, Blue healer slash lab or collie or whatever, but he's just so cute, and he's a good friend. And uh, you know, we got him, and we were thinking, "Oh man, we come home, and he just wants to cuddle. That's all he wants to do." We think he's a little bit broken because he doesn't know how to play with toys. He doesn't know how to fetch a ball, but he he just likes to cuddle a lot. And so, man, this dog can't do anything wrong, and that's what's going through our heads. And, and then on Friday, last Friday. This is what we come home to. That. <laughs> let, me, let me bring this into perspective for you a little bit. I'll leave that up for, for your enjoyment. Um, so last Friday, I spent seven hours out at Webster uh, Conference Center. It's a, it's a campgrounds, campgrounds just north of here. Um, and I clean out at the campgrounds. So... Um, I, I do everything from clean toilets, and I clean uh, uh, windows, and I'll clean uh, mirrors, and, and I'll mop, and I'll vacuum, and do all this stuff. And it's a lot of hard work. I spend seven hours out there, and, and, and as I'm cleaning, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, we got, we got some steaks, and I'm really excited for those steaks, and I'm going to grill those. And gonna be good. I, have a, I have a cold uh, bottle of root beer that I'm going to drink of my steak, and it's going to be a great Friday evening. And then I come home to this. And the dog's just sitting, looking like he did nothing wrong. And I'm just looking at that dog, and I'm thinking, you, you don't deserve the type of life that we were going to give you. And I think, we need to take you back to the pound. And so I'm, I'm frustrated, right? I'm upset. And Abby knows it, and the dog probably knows it by now, too. Um, but he, he ruined three different sets of blinds. I didn't get the picture of the other one. Um, I thought, you know, I just want to take him back to the pound. I, I don't want to have to deal with it. And my life would be a lot easier if he was just gone. That's what I was thinking. 
And then, of course, uh, my wife, who's very uh, sensible, uh, talked me down a little bit and said, hey, listen, it's, it's a shelter dog, right? It's, it's going to pretend like it's, it's good for the first two weeks, but, but then it's going to kind of come out of its shell a little bit, and it's going to start acting uh, a little bit crazy. And so uh, I calmed down a little bit, and I decided, you know what, well, I guess we're going to keep the dog. We'll keep the dog. And so that Saturday afternoon, I went to Lowe's. I spent $50 on new blinds, and I spent my whole afternoon putting on new blinds. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was good. Um, <laughs> we actually had one. We didn't use it that day. Yep, that's kind of our fault, I guess. Um, but uh, that's what it's all about, right? I mean, what would have happened if we would have taken Bo back to the pound? I'll go, I'll go back so you can just see how cute he is. What would have happened if we would have taken Bo back to the pound? Well, we don't know. Maybe he, he would have died. Maybe he would have, he would have gone with a family that, uh, that didn't love him like, like we want to love him. Um, but instead, even though I felt like he didn't deserve it, even though I felt like he deserved to get thrown back into a cage, um, we decided to show him love decided to show him grace, and we forgave the dog, and we moved on with our lives. But it's the same way with us, right? We are so undeserving of God's grace. And we do all these things. We do things all the time that would make us so undeserving of his love. But yet, every time we come back to him, he, he forgives us. He loves us. And, and where we should be his enemy, we're actually... Uh, his son, or actually his daughter. And we do this um, also because we show love, also because apathy isn't the command. Apathy isn't the command. Um, and that's the second point. Love your enemies because apathy isn't the command. I'm going to uh, dig into this a little bit. Uh, verse 46 says, If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. So um, the definition of apathy or apathetic is showing or feeling no interest or enthusiasm or concern. And here, uh, Jesus starts to illustrate why being apathetic isn't the command, why love is actually the command. Um, you see, the, the tax collectors were representatives of the Roman government. And a lot of times the tax collectors received their money by either threatening them or taking it by force. So tax collectors weren't exactly the people you wanted to sit down and, and have a meal with or drink coffee with. They were people that, uh, that were despised. They were people that were generally, um, they were hated. And Jesus states that even the tax collectors love each other, right? Because they're the same. They're the same people. They're, there's nobody different among the tax collectors. They all do the same thing. So if Jesus' disciples aren't being any different than the most despised people with their love, then what sets them apart? What really sets them apart? You see, they should be standing out that their transformed lives should result in behavior that shows significantly greater love. 
And if they love their enemies, then they will stand out as true followers of Jesus. It's not enough to just be uh, friendly to your enemies. And this is what I'm talking about with the, with the apathy and with the apathetic. It's not, it's not enough just to say, hey, listen, I know you have different views, but hey, uh, I'm not going to bother you and you don't bother me. That's not what Jesus is saying. John 13, 35 says, By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. The very essence, the very essence of being known as a follower of Christ is if you truly love people. And that means all people. And you may think, well, I, I, don't, I don't have any enemies. I love everybody. I've been a Christian for 25 years. I, I, I know what it means to love my enemies. Well, what do you think when, when your coworker comes in 30 minutes late and they're, and they're, they're not adjusting their timesheet any differently and, and, and they're, they're assigned to work on a project with you, but they decide uh, that you can do that by yourself? Uh, what kind of thoughts are running through your mind? Are they, are they thoughts of love or are they thoughts of hate? Or, or when somebody walks into the door or walks through the door, not into the door, when somebody walks through the door that has completely opposite views, completely opposite political views than you, do you, do you think, oh, there's that person again. You know what they believe? You know what they think? Are you, are you thinking thoughts of love? Do you interact with them at all? Are you being apathetic towards them? Or are, you, are you actually showing love? Are you engaging in love? What about when you go to a family gathering and you see a brother or you see a sister that, that maybe wasn't too nice to you uh, when you were little? Or you see a mom or a dad that, that didn't quite give you the life or the love that you felt like you deserved. Are you distancing yourself away or are you seeking reconciliation? What about on social media? Do you post controversial political stuff knowing full well that somebody's going to engage on the left or on the right? Is that an act of love or is it an act of hate? You see, an enemy isn't just someone who's trying to assassinate you, right? But if somebody's trying to assassinate you, you should probably call the police. Um, an enemy can be any of those people. And we get so consumed with what is normal in our culture, with being just apathetic, and when we, fighting with people from the left to the right or, or not bothering with them at all, or not, not reconciling relationships or arguing with people on social media. Like, we're, we're, we need to be different. Loving them is not excusing the behavior, but, but it's reflecting what is Christ has done for us, for those people. Recently, this is something that I've been trying to do in my own life, and I've been trying to do it better. Believe it or not, when you go to seminary, there's not a lot of people that think differently than you. <laughs> like, usually people are all studying the same thing, and usually it's God. And so uh, you don't meet a lot of different people. And so while I love seminary, uh, it also can be a curse at times. And maybe that's just my fault for not getting out. Um, but I've been trying to have more conversations with people who think differently than me, with people who don't have the same viewpoints as me. Um, and recently, last a uh, couple weeks ago, I, uh, I had coffee with a guy who is a self-proclaimed atheist, and he's gay. And we, we had coffee, and he just he used to be a PK, and he, and he talked to me just a little bit about his life and his upbringing 
and, and, and why he decided to follow, like to, to stop following Jesus. He had a, he had a couple problems with, with some doctrines. Um, so he shared a little bit about his life, and I, and I shared, this is why I'm a follower of Christ. This is why I choose to follow Christ. This is why, despite some doubts that I've had, dis- despite um, some things that have happened in my life, while well, I continue to follow Christ. So we had coffee for an hour and a half, and he said, hey, do you want to go to, you want to grab dinner with me too? I was like, sure, let's, let's just hang out. And so I made a friend that day, and it was really cool because I am going to have an opportunity with him because I actually sat down and got to know him. Not as, as somebody who I see just on, like, scrolling through Facebook, oh, there's some atheists right there. I know, I know all about them. No, I actually took the time, and I got to know this person, who they were, their story, and, and, and who um, and what they're about. I think Christians are known far too well for what they hate rather than what they love. Um, and imagine if, if we as Christians were known for loving everyone that is different than us. Everyone that is a jerk to us, everyone that has ever wronged us. And it's not enough just to say that you love your enemy. You actually have to do it. So we're going to just go into a couple practical ways to, to love our enemy. And the first one is pray for them. Easy, right? Pray for your enemies. Sounds easy. But if you're not praying for them, then you don't have a heart for them. Because where, where does that love come from? Where, where, who is the author of love? God. And if God, if we're not coming to God and, and, and saying, God, I want, I want my enemy to be blessed. Lord, bless their finances. Bless their marriages. Then, then where is the love coming from? And this goes with the entire message that we're talking about. This is what Jesus is telling us. The second one is just talk to, or is it up there? There we go. Talk to them. Ask them to coffee or lunch. This is really easy stuff right here. Ask them to coffee or lunch. A lot of times, um, hatred comes from misunderstanding a person. We must remember, everyone is made in in God's image, right? Taking the time to get to know their story and who they are could result in a friendship or possibly in them getting to know Christ. And the third one is serve them. Uh, this could be a difficult one. You, you have to really humble yourself. You really have to have some humility um, to do this. Uh, and it would probably throw them off guard, right? It, like if you had somebody at work that you kind of despise and you decided, I'm going to bring them a cup of coffee. Would that be awkward for anybody? Nobody? I guess I'm the only one. It would be awkward for me. Um, probably scare them a little bit, but it could open up a conversation. It could open up an opportunity just to show some love. And we do this because ultimately it reflects God. Love your enemy because it reflects God. Verse 48 says, But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. I'm not going to lie, which is good because that's a sin. But I'm not going to lie, I I used to hate this verse. Anything that talked about, you know, be holy because I am holy or, or be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect because 
Um, I used to think that that meant I had to live up to some kind of moral standard in order to call myself a Christian, or I had to have some kind of uh, uh, self-righteousness, which is completely opposite of what the gospel teaches, in order to be um, loved by the Father. But what do we know? We know that God is set apart, right? That he is holy and that he is perfect and that scripture reflects his character and he calls us to replicate who he is to others. And just as God is perfect, we desire to reflect who he is in his perfection. We desire to be set apart just as he is apart from anything or anyone. But we don't pursue perfection for self-fulfillment, right? but to be more like Christ and reflect his image so that people may come to know the gospel. See, if we pursued moral perfection for our own good, then we would look just like our Pharisees. We would look just like them, and we would look down on on people who didn't live up to our expectation. So ask yourself, do you seek to be like Christ for your own self-fulfillment, or do you seek to be like Christ in order to reflect him? so that you can love your enemies better. I think, like I said, sometimes we, we tend to, to, to link Christianity uh, with how holy we can be. Um, and we think that uh, reflecting Christ means I have to have everything together on the outside, right? Like I have to come to church and I have to like raise my hand a couple times so little Becky Lou who knows that I'm, you know, still a Christian and my kids have to act a certain way um, to know that, oh, they're, 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 they're good kids. And, and I have to do all of these things to, to make it look like that everything is put together. But that's not what it's all about. It's about having a renewed heart. It's about having a renewed mind, a renewed soul so that we can reflect Christ in the way we live. And when we reflect, reflect Christ, we love our enemies because that's what God did. And if, and if you say, well, Miles, I, uh, I hear your three points, but um, I'm still kind of on the edge. I'm, I'm still not yet convinced. Um, I want to pull up this verse right here. Um, and let's, let's, I want to read this together. If you can see it, um, read it with me and we'll read it slow. You ready? And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Let me bring this into perspective for you, um, just a little bit, and, and let's, let's go back and, and look at a couple moments before um, all of this happened. Picture this. Judas comes and he betrays Jesus, right? He sells him for, what, a week's worth of wages? I want to give Jesus a week's worth of wages. And he says, I, I want to give him up. I, I want to give Jesus up. And then after that, Peter denies Jesus three times. He says, oh, that Jesus guy, yeah, I, I don't want anything to do with him. I don't know him. You haven't seen me with him. That's got to be another guy. How do you think Jesus is feeling in that moment when his very own disciples, when his very own people are throwing him to the wolves and denying that they've ever knew him? 
And that's not even the worst of it. Jesus, taken to the cross, brutally beaten, brutally tortured, hung up on there with with nails driven through his hands and his feet. And Jesus doesn't say, Father, you see what they're doing? I I never want to see them again. He doesn't say, Father, these people cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. They've put me through way too much. Emotionally, my friends have left me. And physically, these people are ripping me to shreds. No. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. The very people that should be Christ's enemies... He's praying for them. He's praying for them. And if the cruel torture of the crucifixion could not silence Jesus' prayers for his enemies, what pain, pride, or prejudice could justify the silence of ours? I want to do something just a little bit different tonight. I'm not as long-winded as Ryan. Um, he could preach for hours, and I love listening to him preach. Um, but we're going we're gonna to do something a little different this evening. Um, we're going to spend some time praying. And I'm sure as, uh, as I spoke, um, I, I hope and I pray that the Holy Spirit has revealed um, some things or some people. I know he has in my life through um, just doing some studies in this message about people maybe that I, that I actually hate that I didn't think I did um, because we don't, we're Christians and we're not supposed to. Um, but maybe there's some people in your life that come to your mind that you need to forgive or that you need to spend more time loving, that you need to say, hey, I'm done being apathetic. I'm done um, not showing any concern for these people. Love is a verb and we need, it's time to put it into action. And so we're gonna spend some time in prayer and I'm gonna I'm gonna lead us in a prayer this evening. Um, it's something that that Crosspoint um, as a whole does, and we do it for um, for people just with with people who say, "Hey, I'm having trouble forgiving," and so this is what we usually run through with them. And I'll and I'll kind of talk about the steps, and then um, and then we'll go through and we'll do this together as a body. Um, but the first one is to acknowledge God that you deny yourself and you exalt God. And so this means while you're praying, you say, "God." Um, I can't do this. God, I am insufficient, God. I am insufficient, but you are all powerful. God, you are all good. You are all loving, and I need you. That's kind of what acknowledging God looks like um, through these steps. Um, the second one is to be specific about your prayer. So if it's, if it's forgiveness, if it's, if it's hate, uh, we want to say, God, I, I hate this person because so and so, because of this. Or, or this is what they're doing to me, God. Or, or this is how I feel about this person. And, and you get real with God. God's not, God's not afraid of your prayers. You can say, God, why aren't you intervening in my life? I want to forgive them, but I can't. Will you help me? So that's, that's the part where we're specific, okay? And the third one is ask for God's response and listen. So this is time when you're just kind of still. And, uh, 
And when you do this, it doesn't always happen when we want it to happen. Sometimes um, when I run through this, it's like, all right, I've been still, God, and uh, I got to go. So uh, maybe, you know, on the way to while I'm driving, you could speak to me. That'd be great. Um, so it may happen on the car ride home. It may happen at another time. But no, uh, God does speak. The fourth one is you're saying, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm giving my anger. I'm giving my hatred. I'm giving it to you. And I don't want to pick this up again. And the fifth one is you thank God for taking it. This kind of seals the deal. And it's an act of trust saying, God, here it is. I believe that you're going to take it. And then, of course, uh, this is something that we encourage people to, to continue to do outside of this. And so, you know, the first time you may say, well, I'm, I'm still struggling. I'm still struggling with hatred. I'm still struggling with hatred with this person. And so you just repeat it as, as necessary. Um, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray each step, and you guys can, can stay in your seats. You can do whatever you need. And you can, um, obviously, um, you can pray silent if you want. Um, but I'm going to start us and, uh, with acknowledging God. And then I'll say something like, um, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll count you guys into it. And then you'll be, you can do your prayers. Is everybody on the same page? Everybody good? Somewhat? Kind of? Good? Okay. Well, we'll go with it. And uh, yeah, let's do it. God, um, I am insufficient. God, I, um, I need you because you are love, and I don't know how to love like you know how to love. Um, And so I ask that you would help me to love because you are perfect, or that you are all good, or that you are all sufficient. Now, you guys want to go ahead and take some time and acknowledge God? God, as you uh, bring people to my mind, of people that um, I didn't really think that I hated, um, but you revealing to me that I need to show more love, um, help me to do that. Uh, show me ways to do that, and it's hard, and sometimes I don't like it, um, but help me to not just be apathetic, but help me to, to make love um, a true a verb in my life. You guys can go ahead. God, we, uh, we believe that you speak. And so, God, we're just going to take some time and listen. And uh, listen to what you have uh, for us.
And God, we're, we're choosing to give this to you. Um, Lord, the pain, um, the hatred, the struggle with uh, forgiveness. Lord, we, we choose to give this to you because we don't want to pick it up again. God, we thank you that you are a good God, that you are uh, the healer of relationships, or that you are the reconciler, that we can look to you for all things, for all needs, and that you are all sufficient. Um, so God, we, 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 we do this as an act of trust in putting our lives in you um, and knowing well um, just that you care for us. Amen. Um, like I said, if you need to continue this, um, this outline, it's a really good outline. And if, if you say, well, I didn't quite understand it as well as I'd like to, I'd love to chat with you more um, about what this looks like. Um, and I just encourage you, when, when pain comes your way, um, maybe that people have caused and, and, and you desire first to, to hate them or to not like them or to think thoughts of them, um, maybe turn to this. Um, and just spend five minutes on each point um, and spend time praying and seeking God uh, to help you forgive and help um, to love. So I'm going to pray, and then uh, we'll be dismissed this evening. Father, uh, thank you that we can come together as uh, your body, that we can be encouraged by your word and by each other and by your community. Um, help us as we desire to live out your gospel, and we know that also means loving the people that are really difficult to love. And we know that when you spoke to your disciples, that it wasn't just about uh, being okay uh, with, with where they're at and not bothering them. We know that you actually meant us putting into action um, love. And so I pray um, that we, as your body, would take practical steps um, to doing this um, every day in our in our households, at work, um, here at church, um, Lord, that we would be known for your love. Father, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.